and welcome to episode 4 of Why Comics. I'm Stuart Moraine and this episode I was joined by the mighty Sarah Millman uh, to answer the question, Why Comics? Uh, we talk for a couple of hours um, after she answers the question and we take in things like being a freelance comic creator, an artist, uh, tabling at conventions, the convention scene at the moment, that sort of thing. So it acts as quite a nice companion piece to last week's con special with Tony and Iz and um, yeah like I say talk for a couple of hours about it and that's all there is to say in this introduction really um, I shall pass you over to Pass Stuart and Pass Milmo hope you enjoy cheers hello Sarah hello it's nice to speak to you fresh and new and not like we've been talking for the last half hour or so. I know we haven't talked in ages oh it's weird uh, <laughs> Bam was probably the last time we talked oh yeah Ah, such a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, convincing lie. <laughs> convincing lie. Oh. So. <laughs> so how have you been? How was your weekend? It was good, thank you. I've been just got back from Manchester, which I'm not going to lie, was very intense. But um, me and Sean Jefferson survived and I am now wanting to die in the heat. So, you know, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's great. <laughs> ah, British summer. Ugh, why? <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> it's horrible. You should try lugging a bag of mail around in it. <laughs> oh well, I I have been dragging around my weight in comics. Well, so... that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, it was good. Uh, it was it was nice to see people. So it was it was a good it was a good time. <laughs> awesome. Which I suppose sort of brings me on loosely, tangentially, to the uh, reason I've got you here, which is to ask you the question, why comics? Why indeed? Why not? I could just end it with that, right? I was going to say, crack it. Thanks for that. Okay, bye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. It's like when you're in school and people are like, so what is art? And you're just like, oh, why? (laughs) Why are you doing this? But it's It's interesting that like answering this question now because I've been doing um workshops in libraries across uh, across the Vale of Morgan like all well I've just started this summer and I basically had a one-on-one session because <laughs> no other kids turned up on um last week so it's this kid and her mum and I had to spend the entire session just talking basically to her mum while she kind of helicopter parented around this other child like <laughs> as they were coloring and making this alien and um so I had to answer all these questions like so what is so this this thing that you've got here and I had um I had one of the Etherington Brothers comics and I had a copy of the Phoenix because I always take a pile of comics with me to all these different to all these different um workshops and she was flicking through it and she was like this isn't a comic though is it I was like what and she said but it isn't though it's just not it's like I don't usually let my children read comics and these seem all right and I was like well what do you think a comic is and she's like well you know we don't let our kids go to the cinema and they all tend to be like and she kind of like cringed away and was like you know ladies and explosions and I was like uh-huh. like this this like really stiff smile across my face like great as you no, quietly packed up your ladies and explosions workshop. yeah I was like oh no I'm just gonna chuck all the all my all my booby comics underneath the table which is totally appropriate for children this is lady death I know I've got Sonia here you know is it red Sonia you know but um 
And so it was this weird situation of speaking to somebody who was completely out of the realm of, like, it would never cross her mind to ever buy a comic book. It wouldn't even cross her mind to, she doesn't even really know what a comic book is. I had to describe, so I had, like, a lot of Jen Wang's books in, because that's really good for people who, I really like Jen Wang, because if you're not, a comics person they're really accessible and they're very appropriate for children so I always like to use those as like an example of you know of, you know getting to comics they're not terrifying and full of boobs um so you know and she's looking at those and she was like but this is like a book though isn't it it's a book and I was like well, it's, well you could call it some people call it a graphic novel and she's like wait a minute I need to write this down a graphic novel and I had to like spell it out for her and be like uh-huh. it was just really strange I think the thing is when you've been making comics and kind of going to conventions and hanging out with nerds for such a long time to meet someone who's so completely out of that frame of reference is quite refreshing yeah. and you kind of realize oh shit this what this is why we're not we're all poor because <laughs> nobody knows what we do like all of these people have no idea so it is like you know it's quite interesting to think of something like why comics in the frame of well what in in a, in a in a world where most people don't really even know what a comic is i don't know like it was such a strange um such a strange conversation so i think for me why comics is kind of like i want to try and reach out to people like that and be like look look though it's not just spider-man look at these comics they're great it's like why not like if you were gonna go see a film if you were gonna read a novel you can just as well read a comic in fact it's like marrying the two and a little bit different you know i just yeah, I've gone on a really weird tangent. I apologise. Is, is, this, is this what you wanted from me? <laughs> <laughs> I expected nothing less than weird tangent. Oh, goodness. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it, it is quite funny doing... Because I suppose you do a lot of... Um, do you, you do kids' comics as well, don't you? Do you, you do, like, do you do things like workshops and events with kids? We do, do as do part of True Believers, yeah. Yeah. Or certainly not specifically aimed at kids but try and get the all ages thing so that it um but i mean workshops are something we're only really sort of pushing into now because it took a little while to build up one the confidence and two sort of the reputation for want of a better word as Mm. being something to check out kind of thing yeah making it like a family event kind of thing like come for the day because it's quite hard when you've got an event to be like to make it more than just because I feel going to some of these shows it is like just walking into a big forbidden planet that you've paid like yeah. 20 quid for so it's yeah adding worth I suppose yeah I so. don't think you should ever charge if you're just a sales floor kind of thing <laughs> yeah personally but you know unless you've got the people who want the early access tickets like yeah. some comic marts do but uh, but yeah that's... so I mean we always try to do talks and the workshops and found gradually the panels of aren't as popular as the workshops are so we've tried to incorporate a workshoppy element into the panels as well mm, which mm-hmm. sort of saw and picked back up again the last couple of years yeah. but it's weird because i tried you program the stuff that you think people would be interested in because you're interested in it kind of thing mm-hmm. and um yeah it's just hit and miss unfortunately but but yeah with the workshops we've done really well particularly the superhero life drawing one. Oh yeah that was really fun so which people really enjoyed and I mean, the other problem is if you're going to do workshops, you want to make sure you do them well. 
Yeah, definitely. They're not the sort of thing you want to half-ass and just be kind of like, you once folded oh. some paper, go show people how you fold paper to make a comic. <laughs> hey, I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I feel singled out in this podcast. Shit. That was you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I did fold paper. Yeah, that was me. I was folding paper. But, um, yeah, it is, especially, there is that little jump as well for some people. Like, not only are they, they don't really know how to, a comic really works but it's this idea of being creative and telling a story in pictures that is just so utterly terrifying to some people so the a lot of I, I suppose you get this as well like when you're tabling um a lot of people come over and they're like well how do you get started how do you make a comic and it's really difficult to answer that question because you just make one yeah there's no i think people think that there's this jump that you have to do that someone's like the comics god is going to come down and go you like that big hand from like um from those old lottery adverts like you can make a comic now it's like not though really you just gotta start making them i think you've got to yeah it's sort of imitation sort of the best sort of lesson to a certain degree because i mean when i was a kid i used to draw comics that was it was basically like you know batman i'd just drawn a character that had hook because he had horns i called him something different but he <laughs> was basically batman yeah like, like yeah. horn guy or whatever yeah i'm gonna change the shape of his mask a little bit and it's something completely different instead of blue yeah. i'm gonna make it yellow yeah i remember sending in um i used to make up pokemon that was my thing i'd make up pokemon and i'd send it into the nintendo magazine and they're just, you know, Pokemon and also Dragon Ball Z characters. Um, it was a horrendous, crippling experience that I took years to get out of drawing. That's <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you learn to draw from manga. It's great, but also, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, and it's just this thing that I think when, you know, it's getting over this fear of why, why are comics so terrifying and so alien to some people when we've basically grown up with something like comics for most of our lives most people have like encountered something like comics so it's really strange that it's just this weird jump for some people they can't get it until you show them something that's so completely out of their frame of reference just because they've never they've never really think about going to waterstones and looking at the comic section but you get them a book from there and you're like look look at this look at it it's like you know it's pastel colors and you know there are women in it and they're not um getting their boobs out and it's you know it's exact it's not what you expect and then they're like women aren't getting their boobs out that's just not the comic for me well you know you can get get your boobs out but just you know the appropriate times it's fine there is a time and a place for boobs definitely fights um... explosions (laughs) explosions and explosions and all of these things but um, we've all seen those topless explosion things you know yeah i went to see spider-man far from home a couple of weeks ago and just the trailers before that is just like <laughs> explosion explosion the rock explosion like okay cool i don't know where i am my brain is mush okay. i don't know what's going on but i want to watch Hobson Shaw, and i don't know why yeah, i think the rock is beckoning to me to watch this film and i think i have to see it <laughs> he's an enchantress Oh, he is an enchantress. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, definitely. Oh, oh, you're, you're going to make a new Jumanji? Well, shit, the money's already left my wallet. What? Do I want to watch that? No, the rocks. No, I'll go on then. But I will, I will go. But, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. I feel like I've just been gone down that 
rabbit hole of yes, what is art? How do how do we appreciate art in in this, in this answering I, by answering this question? I apologise. I suppose it is a weird thing because when I got into comics, it was just mm. the idea of making comics seemed impossible. Everything seemed to happen in New York. I wasn't. Yeah, mm. or like you know when you especially there's a bit more there was a, I think there was a bit more of a jump before the internet that when you picked up a comic how did you anything printed really how did that happen like you know I think it's only in the past couple of years that you know publishing online making online web comics well not in the last couple of years last you know decade or so yeah. that it's become such a regular thing you still get a couple of people who are like how did you do this this wizardry on paper but you know back in the day looking at something like when i used to pick up manga for example when uh, dark horse used to print print singles of manga i would just have no idea how to even start at all it's it is definitely you know yeah yeah, I mean, it struck me when I went to that DC thing in London. They had like comic mm. pages from comics from like the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, and mm. that sort of thing. And they those pages were put together basically how I used to do it as a kid. Of if I made a mistake, yeah. I glue up another piece of paper over the top of it yes. and redo it. And yeah, that's exactly how they didn't. I kind of looked at it. I was like, shit. The professional would make comics the way I used to make comics as a kid in my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> You look at things like, because a lot of manga artists, they just photocopy. So they make tons of mistakes and use tons of white out and stick paper over things. And then, like, when they put screen tones on, like, they cut them out and stick them down. Then just photocopy it and it'll look yeah. great. <laughs> well, it wasn't until I read Too Much Coffee Man that I finally oh, realised that. Oh, yes! That oh, the character God. in that, who was making his own mini comics, who was just mm. drawing them, copying them, printing them, photocopying them, printing them, cutting them out, folding them mm-hmm. over, and then taking them to his local comic shop. I was like, fuck, that is how you would make comics. What? Yeah. It's like, it is literally the amateurish way I was doing it as a kid. That is how you make comics. That is Just... how you do it. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's amazing. I think, like, it is great now that everything is online, and it's so much easier when people are like, oh, how do you break into comics? I think a lot of them still have that mindset. Yeah. That you know you have to go through an editor or you have to find a publisher or all this stuff. That's it. Or, or you have like, to go to DC or Marvel. Yeah, you have. Well, first you got to move to America, or if you want to get into manga, you got to move to Japan. Uh, <laughs> you know, but um, it's, it's all in Hollywood now as well. Not in New York anymore. So you know, be prepared to sign some contracts that you're not gonna like. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's. I've lost my train of thought completely. <laughs> this is what happens when you do an MCM. I'm sorry. Sorry, podcast land. Just completely fries your brain. Don't um, look into that men in black stick they've got. The what? Oh, yeah. As, as you're leaving. I'm just kind of like, yeah. thanks for coming. In case you had a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Where have I been all weekend? I don't know. But I feel my purse is so much lighter and I feel sweaty for some reason. What is but this? What's happening? Where did I get this Borderlands mask from? I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Where did all these Funkos come from? (laughs) Oh, there's just so much more plastic in my house. Um, Yeah, I I think I do have quite a difficult time, especially when, because you still get, especially with my, like, extended family, that they have no idea what I do at all. 
Um, and I'm sure a lot of comic artists will kind of feel the same because, um, you know, when you, you say, oh, I make comics, like, oh, cool. OK, like Beano, uh, kind of maybe sort of. Oh, OK. So like superheroes. <laughs> and then you hand them this like this thing that's like, yeah, it's kind of based on a lot of fantasy lore. And also if you play Dungeons and Dragons, these things make much more sense. And also there are elves in it. And they're like, uh-huh. And they are just gone. <laughs> that's, that's like, so Neil, I, tell me about being I, an accountant. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> okay. Oh, and my sister works with Google. So they're like, oh, yeah, Google. Cool. Let's talk about that. <laughs> like, I, can, I understand this. You know, so it is, it is, I think, this constant battle of, like, I think games have had it um, in the past decade of having to prove to people that they are a legit money-making business um, and they're not just for nerds. And I think the fact that you can play games, which is, I say that dismissively, I don't mean it like that, you know, <laughs> that they're not, people say, oh, nerds, like, nerds are a huge market and I am one. But, um, you know, they've had this uphill battle of being like, it is an art form. It is, it totally is. And I think comics are still there. It's really annoying because everything is kind of, there's so much stuff that's derived from comics. And yet yeah. comics is still kind of an afterthought, especially yeah. like. I think there's a stigma to comics that just will not shift. (laughs) Will not shift at all. There are so many, like, women in comics. It's so diverse now. And it's still hanging on. This horrible thing is still hanging on. Like, this little gross tumour. Like, (laughs) that just will not go. (laughs) Like, it just will not go. I work for um, the Disney store. I'm sure I've taught people's ear off about this. I have many an anecdote um, a couple of years back. And it just constantly frustrated me. We had so much Marvel stuff there no comics at all they had a book section with picture books in no comics not even like children's marvel like i could understand if some stuff would be inappropriate and they didn't want kids to pick it up because there is some marvel that is a bit like but you know they do do very kid-friendly stuff nothing was in there and you're just there is definitely this weird idea that they're never gonna sell yeah I suppose possibly the price point on them. I know when I worked at HMV, a lot of the problems we had was that it was like thirty pound for a twelve issue trade paperback kind of thing. Yeah. Although I saw yeah. the weirdest thing in HMV Cardiff today of a frame oh, yeah. for your graphic novels. What? A fr- I, a I get frame in a comic, but frame in a graphic novel. What in like a box frame? Yeah, pretty much. It sort of you know had enough space to fit a six issue size graphic novel in it. So I guess if you really love that cover. That is okay, and never read it again. <laughs> Let me encase it in glass. Which makes me wonder if there are just a whole generation of people that are like, I'm buying that purely for that cover, but I just wish I could get a frame for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like somebody saw a hole in the market. So weird. In fairness, you do get people, I, I have had people be like, oh, I really like this cover. I'm not going to buy the rest of it. I'll just buy this one. It's really, you know, it's like, okay, f- fine. Great. Until you try and sell it as a standalone print. Yeah, yeah, and then I do, and people are just like, oh, I don't know, why? I'll, I'll take the comic. Well, yeah, it's, it's strange. It's, it's a strange phenomenon. But, you know, fair enough. Okay, that's what we want. I understand. But, um, yeah, I think it's like the same, a similar kind of thing of people who, who buy shoes and put them in glass containers. and. Yeah, well, I suppose it's no different than slabbing comics. Yeah. Which, it's, yeah. I've spoken before of my issues with slabbins. <laughs> I, I, shan't, I shan't go into it okay. again. Okay, let's not. 
Sure. The three people who listen regularly to things I'm on are just going, oh, fuck, not slabbing again. Oh, God, really? Like, <laughs> I'm sure the three people who listen to things that I'm on are like, oh, no, she's talking about Disney again. Please, no. Please don't. I know they're called guests. Can you just stop? <laughs> like, oh, dear. It's, it's not oh. as heartbreaking as when we used to sell Funko Pops in H&M, but they still sell them. But when I used to work there, we'd have to offer a plastic protective thing. What? People to keep their Funko Pops in. Uh, and it was so soul destroying because it was like your average person so they sort of look at you like no i'm gonna throw the box away mate i I don't need to spend this extra two pound on a bit of plastic to keep it in (laughs) well yeah because you know in that situation you are the dick but your boss has told you to do that so you got you got to come across as that guy who's like oh you don't want to get a ding in it would you like this little protective plastic it's like when you buy a record from him it's like do you want a plastic sleeve for it it's like no (laughs) Oh my god! Oh, it's like, did you have that thing as well? We always have this. In, oh god, I'm talking about Disney again. We always had that thing that you had to sell add-ons. Yeah. So you always have to do that thing of like, and everyone—it's this weird social construct that ev- everyone in this conversation knows that this is a shit conversation to have. Like the person saying these things is like, I don't want to say this. I know this is shit. You do not want to buy this, but I'm gonna. And it's oh. It's, it's the offering the loyalty card that's the worst thing oh god or like um credit cards are really bad the like, only um, good thing about the loyalty card at hmv was the former the assistant manager used to be where there when i was there used to ask customers if they were regular <laughs> as in were you a regular customer but we, yeah. you can't are, are take you, a conversation like that seriously are, are you regular regular <laughs> like, well I, I i have a high fiber diet i suppose <laughs> Uh, that's a bit of a personal question. <laughs> Instead of a loyalty card, you want everyone to be like, you need more bran. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I've, got, I've got something for you. This is a wonderful drink. Uh, it's got fiber in it. Um, yeah, I do find that when you're selling at conventions, though, that a lot of people have that mindset when they're going to conventions. So they instantly see you behind a table selling comics and they think, this person is here to rip me off. Yeah, and, and so you can see that defensive shutters coming down. And as a creator, it can get quite dispiriting that the first thing people say to you is, I'm just browsing. And you're like, okay, cool. That's fine if you just want to browse, but you can talk to me. I'm not, if you don't buy anything, I'm not going to hate you. Just please just talk to me. Nobody's talked to me for three hours. <laughs> I must admit, I'm terrible. Whenever I've tabled, I'm terrible at it. Especially when I've been sort of tabling with Andy, because people always ask questions about Andy's stuff when he's buggered off. Oh, shit, yeah. yeah. So, and he doesn't like me saying, yeah, you just press Control Alt and then the button you want, and that's how you do it. <laughs> oh, what? That's awful. So, he doesn't like that for some what? reason. I don't know. Why would you not like that? Why, how did, why wouldn't you? It's, like, it's easy. Oh. Oh. So, I wouldn't be too impressed he does it on a computer. <laughs> Control out, delete. You know, <laughs> control Z, control Z. Yeah. But but no, I know what you mean. It's like you don't know which ones want you to speak to them, which ones want you to just speak mm. below. Yeah. <laughs> so occasionally you get one walk away, and you're like, oh, I would have bought that if he'd have said something about it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, and it's just um, it's like I'm not gonna eat you. I'm not gonna. I know that there are some people who do like really um, aggressively sell naming no names. I think um, we know who he is. <laughs> I think we kind of know who these people are. Um, and it does kind of ruin it for everybody else then, because it's just not the same atmosphere. It's like, 
you know, I'm just as happy because I did have quite a slow MCM this time. But um, I did have quite a few people come around and go, oh, this is beautiful. I really love this idea. I'm sorry, I just don't have any money. And it's like, that's totally fine. You know, you have spoken to me. You have spoken to me like a human. And that's all that I want. That's all I want. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. You know, that's not how I speak to people because they just run away if if I spoke to them. But, you know, it's, um, yeah, like, yeah. It's just difficult. It's it's an ordeal. I suppose you get different because obviously you do a lot of cons, don't you? With mm. the nature of needing to sell your work. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose you'd go into different ones. So like an MCM, you'd probably see more as a this is a sales one. So maybe your pitch yeah. alters for that. Whereas a true believers or a Nottingham is a bit more laid back. Mm. It's more you know people will come to you and browse and either buy or go kind of thing yeah and then i suppose something like a bam where it's free to enter you're going to get a few more potentially a few more curious people yeah like the woman i was talking about who's like what is a comic <laughs> Let's yeah. start very very basic of what this is um yeah it is interesting i think it's less that i change my pitch or i change what i'm selling i just change my attitude completely yeah you know and um you understand i think the big thing with something like mcm is that you know that people don't have much time um you know i tend to get a lot more people stopping and talking for a really long time um at the smaller events because you know whereas if people are if you're surrounded if you're in a huge comic village and there's a, someone over the speakers booming out yeah then, you know there's all these different stores to get to then yeah people tend to be a lot more like <gasps> like their eyes glaze over <laughs> and you do have to be like hi how's it going you know a bit more a bit, yeah that i think that's why they're so exhausting those big cons because it's just <sighs> yeah but um you know it, it is i do enjoy them i you know but it is a lot more frustrating if they're slower if they're at the bigger cons than the smaller yeah. ones definitely but yeah so is there sort of a pattern to the bigger ones with being quiet sort of gone off into a contour kind of thing but <laughs> yeah oh no it's fine like um oh i think that's the million dollar question i think that's something that everybody tries to work out because then you can kind of structure your business around them and um i've noticed a lot more that it if you have something for me, I think we had an MCM last year where the Critical Role artists were there, and that was amazing. It was just not Critical Role artists, Critical Role cast were there. Yeah. Um, it was last October, and just it was amazing. It was so busy. People were so enthusiastic. You just mentioned the word elf, and people would pop out the woodwork. <laughs> um, it was crazy. And so I think looking at who the guests are is like helps a bit. Um, some people say that Octobers are better than Mays for MCMs, but honestly, if there is a pattern, I can't find it. I think a big thing at the moment is people are talking about Brexit and, you know, uncertainty, um, which I don't think we really want to get into because it's dark and full of yeah, terrors. But, um, you know, that's not particularly helping at the moment, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, it's, it's difficult to predict things. I'm sure you find this running a show, you know. Yeah. Like, it must be that times a thousand. <laughs> yeah, sort of, even down to trying to book guests and that, or mm. who you give tables to, it's like, mm. you can get a guest that you're like, oh, people will be massively excited about this, and it's like, three people seem to care, and then you'll get somebody you've yeah. had every year. And I think, um, 
from what I've noticed, these big cons especially really underestimate online talent. So a lot of the time they think, oh, this person's been published, so obviously they're the better guest. But the thing is, where, like when you when they say, I think with Chris Carroll especially, they completely underestimated that oh they're just voice actors and they're playing like some D D game it's so niche it's not gonna it's not gonna bring people in and it's like yes it is <laughs> you know i think it's difficult to tell what i think a lot of people running shows have this traditional mindset in their heads of like oh it's a marvel artist so yeah they're gonna bring people in and it's like oh why are you better to bring in this youtuber <laughs> like you know yeah like that's the sad thing it probably would be yeah, i don't but... think people really care about who the artist is mm. so much as you can draw spider-man cool yeah well i don't know there are some artists that people are like whoa what yeah i suppose but... you've got your rock star artists like your jim lees and yeah that everybody's heard of even when <laughs> but it always surprises me that they'll bring in it's like they're not a lot of people don't really look at what the trends are at the moment. Yeah. So I hardly ever see when um, a couple of years ago, like Wikdiv was massive and it still is, but um, like I never saw them invited to an MCM, which is, it seems mad to me. Or like, you know, I'm looking at my shelf and being like, well, Saga, like, Basically, I look at like I look at like Thought Bubble and think, why is it? Why are there all these guests going to Thought Bubble and not coming to MCM? I don't understand what what the thing. I I don't know. I think maybe they're thinking, oh, we're more of a merch con, we're more of a anime con, but then yeah. they don't get in the anime guests either. It's kind of strange. I don't, I don't know. But it is a good. It, I do. I think that it's really great to have a big event like that, though. I do really, you know. I, I do enjoy them, and it is, you know, it's overwhelming and a lot, but... I yeah. think without them, the smaller circuit would probably crumble. I think you need yeah. the big focus cons. Yeah, definitely. Because for one, it keeps the Comic-Con brand, for want of a better term, out there. Yeah, and you've got all this promotion about MCM and the big ones, you know, it used, I think they still shout a lot about, like, the film and Comic-Cons and things like that. Like, if there's cosplayers there, you know... Yeah. newspapers always take pictures they always go crazy but at least it's saying like look this is a thing that is part of the zeitgeist look people are going to cons take the family it's not a weird thing go which can only really help for sure yeah that's it i think it's like you say with the conversation with the lady about comics is that yeah breaking down that stigma of what they are yeah and it's like, so I suppose, like, why comics, going back to the little side of the conversation, <laughs> it's like, why not? Why not read a comic? Like, I've had discussions with um, with my parents, especially, and being like, I, a while ago, I remember them saying, like, if I saw somebody reading a comic on a train, like, this was years ago now, they were like, I think they were a bit, something was wrong with them. Like, I think they were a bit, you know, and I was like, no, what do you mean, you know? <laughs> I started making comics in fairness and they kind of understand a lot more now but there was just this idea of you know comics are for children or for weirdos was basically the like underlying thing well, so like, we always oh. used to joke about putting a comic inside a playboy because you get less stick for reading a playboy than with reading <laughs> yes! a comic <laughs> yeah damn, yeah mm-hmm. i i think you know i think it's better now definitely you know but mm, mm. yeah i think it is i think it's Certainly with 
although it doesn't necessarily help the comic side of it, with the movies, there's a more yeah. of an acceptance for reading something with Iron Man mm-hmm. or whatever on the cover kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah. Can rain with Iron Man's helmet on your chest kind of thing. <laughs> the, uh, wrong, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little arc reactor, you know. Burning away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Because, I mean, sort of with creating comics, what sort of led you down that way route for telling your stories when you could have, you know, people would tell you, why didn't you do it as a book or a kind of thing? What made you choose comics as the medium to. A still life as as yeah. as a performance piece. Why didn't you get into performance theatre? Why did you do this as dance? Yeah, as, as, as in, in the interpretive dance. Like, yeah. That the thing is, I kind of fell into making comics. It wasn't really something as a child. I definitely had that thing of, well, I could never make comics. As I'm older, I'm realizing how anxious a person I am and how it's basically stopped me from doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> I think a lot of people ask you. I think it's yeah. a basic human thing to talk yourself out of doing the thing yeah. you want to do. It was basically like, well, I could never do this. I think I attempted to make a comic on my foundation art course, and it was four pages long, and it took me, God, like a month to do this four-page comic. And at the end of it, I was like, never again. I want to die. This is the worst. Why do people do this? It takes so long. And just, yeah, I, I never thought it was something that I could do um, until when I actually got, um, onto an animation masters a couple of years later and um, one of the things they said was well yeah you could you don't have to do animation like we also accept as long as it's like visual narrative storytelling as long as you develop your characters and you develop your story like it's going to be an animation like you make a design book a, a document with all the characters you pitch it like an animation you can make a comic if you like and I was like oh, oh so I don't have to animate okay I'll do a comic (laughs) which is like one of the things now when I talk to people I'm like oh god don't just make a comic because you can't make an animation (laughs) it's like I know because I was there it's not the thing to do (laughs) that does seem to be a trend at the moment with some people's like I've written this film script but nobody wanted it so I've turned it into a comic I've done it as a film (laughs) it's one of those things if you do get people approach you you know I'm never one to be like you know, people ask you for work, like, are you free to work on something? I'm never, I'm never like, oh, just fuck off. I'm never <laughs> like that. But I do kind of get warning bells when some, like, in my head, I get alarm bells when somebody says, oh, yeah, I was going to make a film, but then we couldn't do it. So you can draw it, right? And I'm like, it's kind of like, you know that when you say how much work, how long it's going to take and how much money it's going to cost them, you know they're going to balk at it. And you're like, yeah. well, it's not easy to get your stories out there regardless of what you do. Like, it's always going to be difficult. There is no easy shortcut to telling a good story. And if it is an easy shortcut, it's probably wrong. Yeah. You're probably doing it wrong somehow. You know, it's always going to be a horrible birthing that you'll look back and go, oh, God, why did I do this? You know, and then do it two years later and think, yeah, cool, let's do this again. You know, like nothing. It's never going to be easy. But um, yeah, so I just completely I, I did it on my master's. I did all right. And I was like, oh, this is OK. I'll start going to conventions. But if I go to conventions, I better start making more comics. And here I am. <laughs> But I kind of now my brain is so broken by comics that 
I start, I'm starting to write prose, especially for NPCT, like writing um, side stories about all the characters. And it's so lore heavy that I don't want to bog down the actual comic with it. I prefer to write side stories. If people yeah. are interested, they can read them. If they're not bothered, it doesn't bog down the story. Um, and it's really difficult to describe things. And to like, because when you write a script for a comic, it's basically like exactly what happens. Yeah. You know, if you get too flowery, you just waste time, basically. That's what the artwork is, is for. At least that's what I find as a, yeah. a as a, um, you know, as, a, as somebody who does both. Um, and so now when I, when I try to do anything that isn't a comic, I always just think in panels and I think in, I think in pages. So, I've kind of I've kind of ruined it now I think this is it for me you know it's really difficult because I'm thinking at one stage I might try and make a um, I might make a game I'm like how do how 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 do what do (laughs) but where where what what panels is am I breaking it down into Uh, (laughs) but um yeah but I I love it now it is it's so enjoyable it's just yeah I I can't imagine doing anything else now really no because you do it full-time don't you comics. yes yeah. yeah i do it full-time it's it's um, not a day job and then come home and do the comics in the evening kind of thing no it is full-time um i don't just do mpct i do other stuff as well um because to pay you know to actually try and make some money um, <laughs> somehow somehow um yeah so yeah it is full-time um and sometimes a bit more than full-time you have to be as a freelancer you have to be really careful with your hours because especially when it's a passion project and it's something that you love doing it's really hard to be be careful to not overwork yourself yeah uh, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is just really i'm just drifting off like oh yeah oh no <laughs> but, um because yeah. um i really do I, I do a lot of kickstarter as well that's really good yeah um i'm doing my fifth kickstarter on friday and it's really again that's one of those things that it's really easy to overwork yourself and to just you know don't do a kickstarter if you're anxious or do do one but be prepared yeah i see an alarming number of kickstarters that launch and then nothing happens for the rest of the month oh god even this far into kickstarter being a thing people still don't seem to realize that you then have to actually get out there and yeah, in, or, and... or they dive in with their instant. I'm going to do a 37 issue mini series. Oh god, oh god, that's, that's not a mini series. <laughs> Going back into lecturing and workshopping, I remember doing a um a lecture at a uni a while ago and talking to this kid because there was well, I say kid, he was probably he was obviously like you know 18, 19, 20, and um I was doing my lecture and one of the things I said was like, okay, if you want to start off doing a comic, the best thing to do is don't do what I did. Don't plan out a 15 issue comic and then get burnout and move on to something else. Like make sure that you have like, try out just a short comic and then get that printed and see what you enjoy. And like, it could even just be like two pages, just have a go at a contained story. Cause it's just so much more easy to manage. And he was like, he was, I could see him during the lecture, like shaking his head, like being like, <laughs> like again, it was, I think there was a little bit of like, oh, this, this woman coming in and telling us what to do was surely an element. But um, I said, and I think he was a big fan of things like the walking dead and you're like, yeah. <laughs> cool. Or like, especially if they're into shonen manga, which is like, you know, Naruto bleach. Yeah. One Piece is 900 issue, 930 something chapters long. You know, they're used to this kind of thing. And you're just like, 
I tried to sit down with him and be like, okay, so what do you want to do? And he was like, well, I haven't really planned an ending. It's probably going to be at least 100 chapters. And I was like, <laughs> no. Okay. Okay, that's cool. Well, you know, if you want to try it, maybe do like a self-contained story that's based on that first and give it a go and see what you think and that you know he's like no i know what i want to do i know what i want to do i'm gonna do this I was like, <laughs> okay good luck because <laughs> he could have done it he could be it could be great he could maybe i'm shooting my mouth off and he's doing great but at the same time <sighs> why <laughs> it shows a lot just from running a con the amount of people that are there one year with the first part of their full part story and then you never see them again <laughs> Yeah, it's even like, just a four-part story. I think people underappreciate how much work goes into doing one comic. <laughs> I think it's no shade though, because it's just you know, as I say, I did it. I really yeah. struggled when I did Half Time. I'll go back to it one day, I'm sure. But just it was a lot, and um, you just don't realize there's no you don't have any you, you don't have any concept for having downtime and burnout and you know. And having and realizing that you know you're going to be working on this thing for upwards of two years, and during that time you're going to grow so much as an artist. You're going to get so many other ideas. You know there are going to be times when you absolutely hate this, regardless of how much you love it. Now, it's really difficult to have that in your mind when you're making a comic, when you're That's just it. starting out. And just the simple fact that real life gets in the way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah, definitely. It, yeah. Sorry. I, I guess you don't sort of consider it when you look at something like The Walking Dead that, you know, that is pretty much Kirkman's thing. He can make a living off of that. So he has the time to sit and write an issue yeah. in a week or whatever and yeah. or possibly even, you know, have a good run and get a couple of issues ahead of himself so he can have a month off. But, you yeah. know, I'm, for example, I'm not saying that is Robert Kirkman's work. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Kirkman's yeah. like, you know, fuck off. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe he loves it. He probably does. I'm sure yeah. he does, you know, and it's uh, that's fantastic to have a job that pays, that's really successful and that just keeps going and going and going. Um, I do know, a recent, I've, I've talked about this before, I'm sure, but there's lots of um, uh, talk about the manga industry in Japan going back to things like One Piece and the kind of grueling schedules that people yeah. like that have for monthly comics is just insane. And you think the only reason that a lot of them are doing it is because it pays the bills you know do they still have passion for it it's hard to say like especially looking at the storylines of something like naruto where it does kind of repeat itself because of the the because they have to get a comic out every month regardless yeah. of how they're feeling regardless of their health regardless of life you have to get a comic out so you know which is fun like i i push myself to those deadlines you know with issue seven and eight now i am like right it needs to be finished by september go but that's fine because i know after eight I can lie down for three months hopefully you know I can <laughs> I can do something else I can not draw elves like I can have a break but if there's no end in sight that's terrifying you know it's quite a scary scary thought you know when you just have no concept of this you think oh well yeah as soon as I get picked up by somebody then that's it that's me made and you're like okay so I, th I think it's easy to see the success and not ignore the fa yeah. multiple face I mean I suppose because the success is always celebrated whereas a failure is Mm. often used as a footnote in a cautionary tale rather than yeah and it's not so much a failure i think that's the thing it's just oh, yeah, yeah 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 that's yeah. It's <laughs> that just... sounded really negative but yeah i, think if you've I, I feel like it's gone kind of day, negative you've, you've achieved 
that yeah. is an achievement in itself. But I think if you're looking at it of kind of like, I'm going to get the TV deal, the movie deal. Because mm. mm-hmm. you notice that a lot in reading some comics now, even from still from the DC and Marvel ones, is that they very much seem to be written with an eye on getting adapted into a film or being part of a story arc in a TV series. That's kind of what, that's the biggest thing my family always say to me. They're like, oh yeah, you know, once you finish your comic, you can like actually make money and sell it to the BBC or something. And I'm like... <laughs> I don't know in the future I might want to have it optioned but sounds like hell <laughs> yeah I think that should be like you know a, uh, an icing on the cake rather than an end goal not even the icing on the cake sometimes that icing is is like laced with arsenic <laughs> sometimes people are they're like oh yeah great it's been optioned by Warner Brothers it's because they want to keep you silent because they're releasing something that's exactly the same and they don't want anybody else to get it like, do you know what I mean? There's so much shit that's involved with things like that, that it's just, I think people, it goes back to what people's ideas of comics are, in that people have very weird ideas of what is successful and what's going to make money and what's going to be great. You know, <laughs> it's really interesting. It's almost like when you look at things like, um, uh, I, I, ris- I listen to this really good podcast called, not this one, obviously, not this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't listen to this one. <laughs> I don't listen Nor to is this it one. really obviously good. <laughs> But there's this podcast called Swindled, and one of them is about the boy band. One of the episodes is about the boy band craze um, in the 90s, and how everyone thought that bands like NSYNC and like, you know, they were everywhere. They were on all these covers. They were making no money. They were making nothing. Um, And they've been in legal battles for decades after like their careers trying to make money. And I think. It's just this weird idea that they're like, oh, yeah, as soon as, you know, as soon as you finish your comic, you can sell it to somebody who will actually give you real money. And it's like, oh, will they, will? Will they? I don't think they will. (laughs) I mean, I suppose you only have to look at something like Terry Moore. I think every single thing he's put out has been optioned at some point, but a TV series has never appeared. Mm. And that's nothing against Terry Moore. That's the mechanics of things getting adapted. Like you say, sometimes people buy the rights just to shut it down kind of thing yeah i've heard of um it's happened to me with um with a publisher once that i gave them an idea and then it never came (laughs) and you think it's kind of like oh no and that was that was fine that was okay in the end but you think if that was on a larger scale with something that you really like if it was this comic that i've been working on for two and a half years and that was to happen it would absolutely break your heart i don't you know it's like you haven't even though you've got comics out, you haven't actually made it until someone has said, oh, you've made it now. You can be a film now. And it's kind of upsetting that it's like, well, no, you made, as you say, you've made a comic. Like, you've got something out there. Like, you know. Uh, yeah. So it's in, in a fame-hungry world, that's not enough anymore, unfortunately, yeah, for a lot of people. Not. Yeah. And I remember talking to Mike Garley when I was just starting out, like, um, a while ago. And he was like, well people are reading my comics and you know and I make a decent if if people are reading my comics and I'm making a decent amount of money to live off that's enough for me and I was like oh yeah yeah it is it is actually because you just have this thing in your brain to just especially I think I did of just like no you have to do better you have to make you know why aren't you doing better you have to sell it to somebody and somebody has to recognize this and it's like well no 
if you're making money and someone's reading and enjoying your stories and you can live off that that's pretty successful like you know you don't have to have like warner brothers or some shit like yeah and in in most instances that's just going to cause more trouble you know well, I, said, I mean, even with doing something like Troops, it's easy mm. to sort of look at an MCM and be like, if we can even guess get a third of their thing, we'll be rolling in money. Mm. So we always said from the beginning that, you know, don't think of it as, you know, this is our cash cow. Think of it as, you know, if five people come away from True Believers saying that they loved it, if one I've... person comes away from True Believers saying they loved it, it was their favourite thing of the year, we did what we set out to do. And far I mean, obviously people... we'd like more people, but... But far more people come back and say that, like, do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. just five people walking away and saying troops is their favorite. I'm sorry, this is going to be sycophantic, but it's true. Um, like when I um, fill out forms, like when I apply for MCM and stuff, they always go, what cons have you been to? I forget everything else apart from like true believers and thought bubble. Those are the only two that I write down. Like, no, because they're the only ones no, I'd be bothered about. Like, you know, and oh, I'll PayPal you that money now. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Uh, like and subscribe. Uh, hit that uh, <laughs> notification bell. <laughs> but no, it's true. Like, you know, it's... I remember one of my tutors always said, like, do something you love. I have the money in the back of your mind, obviously, because it is important. But if you do what you love, you work really hard, and you have that kind of mindset of this is a business, then money hopefully will follow. Yeah. And it should follow. And, like, it will be enough. Like, you know? And um, yeah, I've kind of just tried to work to that and just be like, well, that's it. it doesn't hurt to have a goal in mind. It's like we always, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I know you had a bad experience, but we always looked at Disney as kind of like <laughs> the base model. Not yeah. that we'd ever reached Disney Heights, but as a grain level base model for how to set something up. Yeah. With regard to branding, that sort of thing. Oh, no, they've got it down. Fucking hell. They're that's amazing. It. Like, everything is branded. Even the things behind the scenes are branded. And it's just this idea that taking everything seriously, and the whole thing that they always said to us at Disney was, it's not about sales. Don't always push for sales, although sales are important. And I was always on the villains board. They had, like, a heroes and villains board in the back, and I was always on villains because I was terrible at selling shit because I'd be like, have a nice day, goodbye, have a sticker. (laughs) Like, I would never do the hard sell. Oh, shit, did you want a muck park? (laughs) Yeah, oh, shit, I should have tried to sell your bag with Groot on, sorry. Um, Yeah, but they'd always be like, it doesn't, at the end of the day, it's always about that when a kid comes into the Disney store, this has to be, like, the best part of their day. That is the most important thing. They have to have, like, that's the whole point. Like, they have to come in and have a great time. And I think if you go into, it was good training for, like, customer service and stuff. Because if you go into everything, like, you know... Because I always think when I'm writing, it's like, I'm not, I am, this is something that I'm writing for me. But at the same time, I'm always mindful of a reader and what they want. And always thinking about, like, not always giving them what they want. Giving them something they're going to enjoy and something that they're going to remember and feel included in. I think that's a huge thing, you know. Just simple things like having people that are different ethnicities. Like, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, and just... I just want to make something that people read and they it just brightens their day. It just makes them, you know, feel something. Like, That's it. I, yeah. yeah. I think, <laughs> I think you're really setting cheesy. out writing something. I think it's important to write for you, but at the same time, if you're writing for you with an intention of just shitting on anybody else that might read it, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a not a great way to go. Although, you know, some people do like that. <laughs> yeah, gluttons for punishment, you know. It's but, like I tried like, reading all of uh, Game of Thrones and I got about halfway through the last book and was just like, oh, God, I can't, I, I can't, I can't do it. I, like, I, God, I've not bothered with any of it. I must admit, it's it's largely passed me by. I get that people like it and that's cool. I'm not one of those, you know, mm. oh, yeah. I've never watched it. Like, Godspeed <laughs> to people who are still hanging on to the last book, but... Yeah. You've got more stamina than I do, seriously. <sighs> oh boy! I think that book was finished ages ago. I think George R. R. Martin's just not releasing it. Yeah, probably. You know, oh man. But um. Well, when you start getting tweets telling in people from people telling you to finish the book before you die, you kind of... <laughs> I'd like to read it before I die. <laughs> if he's anything like me, I'd be like the stubborn prick. It's like when yeah. people demanded Lucas release the Star Wars films and it and. In their original format, so he did, and they looked shit because he'd not cleaned them up. He was like, "That's what you wanted." Oh, <laughs> you little! And, and oh, I'm part of, I'm part of kind of like, uh, that's a bit dickish, but at the same time, I fully understand it and would probably have done the same. Yeah, <laughs> so, a bit trolly there. Let's have a bit of a troll. But um, I suppose yeah, everybody's I... got their breaking point. <laughs> oh God, I reach it daily. I've got to say. But um, yeah, I do think there's nothing better than being at a table or, you know, having someone tweet at you or email you or something and be like, I really enjoyed this. This is my jam. And just, you know, and having that response, there's nothing better. It's, you know, especially if you're doing something that you love, you know, yeah. and you're not just doing it to pander. Like you are, it's something that you really believe in, that you really love. And someone else is going, oh, wow. Yeah, I really love it, too. I think that generally comes across. I think it's the same as with cons and that kind of thing. As you can tell yeah. the people that are doing it because they've got a genuine passion for it and the people who are doing it because they thought they could make some money quickly from it. Oh, and, you know, more power to those people if they make the money from it. But but that's the thing. I find a lot of people are put off by that mentality because yeah. you can smell it. It's, it's, you can smell You can A lot of the time you can sense it. Like... I think especially like when it comes to selling comics I've been walking a lot of this per- a lot of this there's this pervasive idea that if you hand somebody your comic they will read it they, they're more likely to buy it because we were told this in Disney store and in all the retail jobs I've ever been in they're like yeah, hand, we people product, hand people product and they're more likely to buy it. it's a psychological fact when actually when you're working at a convention it's like it's like poison <laughs> and always ask like, an open-ended question yeah. not something they can answer with yes or no yeah, it's going to be something that, you know, leads them into a conversation. And just all of these techniques, a lot of the, like, make it inviting, obviously. But I find a lot of those sales techniques just put people off. It's yeah, just... I've always found as a punter uh, buying from a table, I've been more inclined to stay at a table if the person's been like, you're having a good day, an opening with that, rather than going like, yeah. see anything you like, no one ask me a question about it. Yeah. Because it's, like, that, obvi- it's that Sorry. casual needy thing then, isn't it? I do always start off with like, feel free to have a look through. Here's a little blurb. Cool. How's your day going? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just have a look. I don't mind. I don't. It's fine. <laughs> but I remember um, a couple of thought bubbles back, um, and you know how much is up thought bubble. I had a list of people I wanted to see, like things I wanted to pick up, like t- clocks ticking. I can't be away from the table. I table by myself. Like I, if I'm not there and somebody comes back then I lose a sale. Um, And I remember there was somebody there who handed me their book and then proceeded to give me their entire blurb, their entire backstory. And I was just like, 
I'm sorry, mate, I've got to go. And I just, it really riled me up because I was like, I have 10 minutes and you just took four of them. (laughs) Why? (laughs) I was polite about it. And I was just like, I understand you're probably new to this game, but still, I'm annoyed. (laughs) Yeah, it seems to be new people in the old school ones. It seemed to be a bit more like that. Because I found that at a couple of events where it's like, you're looking at a couple of the books and they start telling you about each one as you pick it up. Mm. to the point where I won't buy anything I will just walk away yeah. and sometimes it's, I feel a bit dickish about it because I was genuinely interested in one of the books it's like because you didn't shut the fuck up and just let me process it yeah it is I think that is like an anxious thing as well though a lot of people I find yeah, it from the other I side have to the try table, and I find it horrible just standing there being quiet you just and like twiddling your thumbs <laughs> and staring at them like uh-huh, do you like it do you like it do you want to read more here are our deals like you know it's difficult to not be weird. Um, I think that's like... Just brace it and just be full, like, you know, wide-eyed, just kind of, I like to watch you look at my stuff. <laughs> I, I, feel like, get away. I feel like I need that as, like, on my crest to be like, it's difficult to not be weird. <laughs> like, I think that's my motto for life. But, um, yeah, I think a good trick I have is that I make sure that I'm doing something like, you know, if I'm even if I'm just like tweeting or I'm drawing or tallying up or reading a comic or something. So it's not like, I'm just going to watch you read. Have you got to the good part? Yeah, I love this part. It's when they kiss. And you just sound like, you know, it's, yeah, it's difficult to not be read. <laughs> just providing some weird director's commentary as they're reading. Yeah. Yeah. So. It weirds me out even more, though, in a good way, when people don't even, you don't even talk to them, they just go, right, one of each, goodbye. (laughs) You're like, okay, are you sure? It's 25 pounds. It's got elves in it. Do you like elves? (laughs) It's really weird. I feel this need to be like, you're giving me money, though, and I don't feel like I've earned it. I mean, that's, that's just people with an agenda who know what they want. And they've got a limited time to do it. And sometimes they're like, "No, no, no! I've seen you on Twitter. I know, I know that I wanted this." <laughs> I suppose that's the thing you don't sort of take into account, is it? That people yeah. know you before they get to the table a lot of the time, just through following you online or hearing you on a podcast and then following you from oh, there. They hear me on this and go, "Oh God, what is this comic?" <laughs> right, avoiding this table for a bit in perpetuity. <laughs> Blacklisted. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if that's a damning thing on this podcast in general. <laughs> I have had people come up to me and be like, oh, yeah, I heard you on this podcast. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What did I talk about again? I blacked it out. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Disney. <laughs> oh, God. One of those. One of those. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, I, I always think there's this adage for life as well that 5% of people you meet are absolutely lovely. Five percent of people are complete and utter dicks, and then the other ninety percent are just fine. And yeah. I think that carries across into everything, into conventions, into workshops, into just life. And though I must say, in conventions, I think the lovely portion is bigger. Probably, I think I've had more people that are nice than dicks. I've got to say. Um, yeah, I think I've only ever had a couple of issues just mm-hmm. from people were tabling. Mm. One who was a small presser who really? we don't need to name. No, of course. And, um... <laughs> you can PM me later. 
I love I, Gossip. <laughs> I, I think we all know who it was. It's oh, the same okay. person who likes to put a book in your hand. Uh-huh. Yes. Usually whilst you're stood at somebody else's table. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yes. Um, yeah, and then just a couple of traders that weren't happy with their table on the day. And, mm. and I had one shit email from somebody complaining that nobody bought from their table and they know because they were sat behind it drawing all day. Uh, all right. uh, I think you answered your own question in that statement, mate. <laughs> On the country, I never want to hear problem. that somebody had a bad day. So my instant is always to be kind of, oh, they had a shit time. Maybe I should give them a refund. But fortunately, my wife's next to me going like, no. So I'm your accountant. No. The <laughs> it's thing like, is, read though, it again. It's that... not your fault. Well, yeah. It's like if there are specific things like I've been to I've heard of some events as well where there's been no advertising they've moved your table like there are specific things that you can be like this is the organizer's fault then yeah sure I think it's a bit uh, of, of a shitty yeah. thing to do to be like hey I didn't sell anything can I have my money back yeah. like I've been to events where it's definitely been there have been organized organizational problems and I haven't asked for my money back but I, I think, could have done. Yeah, I, I think you kind of accept it as a yeah, risk of trading, don't you? Definitely. For want of a better expression, but... Yeah. Like, you know, I, like I, say, I do try to, like, if there is a specific thing, I do try to message the organisers or email them and just be like, hey, I don't mean to bother you, but you know the adverts you had up before the show didn't really have the date on? That might have been a problem. Okay, sorry to bother you, goodbye! <laughs> like, I'm the worst at complaining. I'll just be like, um, sorry, but... <laughs> Me again. Um... Me again, I'm really sorry, but you know that you placed us right by the fire exit and you didn't put the lighting on and also I had a broken table. I don't mean to bother you, but could you maybe sort this out next time? Okay, bye! <laughs> That was the amazing thing with being at Jurors this year compared to yeah. doing the race course is that the staff there were amazing. It's like the lights weren't working in one bit, so they just mm. went and got some uprights mm. so that people had lighting around their table. It got really hot in there, and they got um, fans into that one little smaller room at the back. Yeah. And just straight on it. And it took a load off of us as well because mm. with the race course, I was constantly chasing people. <laughs> and oh. a venue that size, you can't find the people you need half the time. So. There's got to be something to be said about running around a race course, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so that's why I enjoyed last year's, no, this, this year's, wasn't it? True yeah. Believers. What I was thinking of was last year's by that point. It's last year's and next year's. There was never this year's. What year are we in again? What's going on? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> when you're thinking in two years, it's like, mm. you know, everything's yeah. got. It's like um, I put some tables on sale and then realised they still had the 2019 date on them. Because <laughs> my brain is telling me it's 2019. Yeah. Oh, God. No. So I was... Just... Um, so I tabled next to Sean Jefferson at um, uh, M- uh, Manchester this weekend. Uh, and we were talking on the train home because um, we both live in Cardiff, so it's so convenient to do shows together, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we share a lot of the same audiences, like a lot of... We Venn diagram quite a lot. And um, we, I was just saying that there is this thing that's like freelancing time is so weird. You have no concept of time and space. Like I'll think this weekend seems like it was just years. 
it was so long and I was checking my emails and being like why haven't they got back to me and it's like oh because I emailed them on Thursday <laughs> you know and I'll be like <laughs> you know when I'm in the middle of crunch and I'm working on an issue I'll be like but I emailed them two days ago in that time I've done eight pages where are they <laughs> it's just like you just and then in the same time it'll be like oh I'm just gonna play this game and you'll just burn like four hours <laughs> a game and it'll just be like oh that was like 10 minutes like freelancing time and I think the same as like kickstarting time is just so amorphous and so strange I just yeah I I, it, I just can't get a grip on it I'm a, I'm definitely I just want to assure everybody that I'm 100% an adult who can look after themselves <laughs> definitely 100% <laughs> So, so how do you balance the freelance time and the working on your own stuff time? Do you, is it just as the work comes in freelance or? Definitely as the work comes in. I tend to um, prioritise if I'm get because this month I've got a Kickstarter on, obviously, and I've still got to finish issue seven and eight. Ooh, it's going to be fun. Um, and it's boiling hot outside. I'm not going to die. But um, yeah, so this month I'm definitely, I'm prioritizing all of my own work because I have a print deadline, basically. If I don't yeah. get it out, then I'll be in trouble because it's two big conventions in um, October and November I have to finish. But um, yeah, apart from that, it's literally just as the work comes in. Um, it depends. It's like quite mercenary stuff as well, kind of how much are they paying like a day rate? Are they paying... Um, do they have deadlines? What are their deadlines? Um, how big is the job? How complicated is the job? You know, yeah, I tend to prioritise like that. And also a big part of it um, is I was talking to somebody over the weekend and they were saying, oh, you know, how do you prioritise parts of a comic? And I think if you always leave yourself the brainless stuff for when you feel like shit, things work out a lot better. So, for example, like I find lettering easy it's piss easy you know once you know what you're doing once you know your typesetting you know especially if there's no special effects going on if you're literally just doing dialogue yeah a lot of the time it's just formatting copy and paste drawing the bubbles done so I do leave that when I'm having a terrible day (laughs) (laughs) and then that's fine because you're getting work done you're getting you are working you are getting shit done but you don't you can just shut off and you can put on like you know my favorite murder or something and just yeah completely zone out as you're drawing but um and coloring as well like if you're just flatting flatting's a really good one to just you know to just yeah mindlessly do so I kind of do that sometimes if I'm given a job that is literally like flatting or lettering then I'll leave that for like evenings I can do that while I'm watching telly like you know yeah but hmm, I feel like that was I keep giving you really convoluted answers I'm sorry no 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 precise not not at all but (laughs) so do you sort of if you know you've got a Kickstarter coming up, do you take in more freelance work for a couple of months to sort of tide you over so you can focus on yours? Or is it just uh, how the things sort of fall? Yeah, it's basically what jobs come in. (laughs) I don't actively look for jobs if I've got something coming up. Because especially, like, you know, I I do have, like, there's obviously the run-up to the Kickstarter and the prep for it. So yeah. um yeah, it's basically I just take what I what I, what I can get. You know, it's really difficult to to I never I rarely turn down a job unless I'm really up against it. So, but I just try and try and move things around, shuffle things around to suit my time schedules basically. But um yeah, I think for a really long time though, like NPCT has been the main source of my income. 
So it's kind of a weird one at the moment. It is pretty much just prepping for Kickstarters, prepping for cons. Like, you know, a lot of my um, commission work has been a bit of a sideline. So, right. you know, I think when I, I was talking about it today, I was like, when I finish eight, what am I going to do with my life? You know, <laughs> am I going to jump into the next thing? I don't know. <laughs> Have you so sort of got the be... next thing in mind or? Well, I did for a really long time. I was going to do a horror comic and I kind of, you know, I drafted out the synopsis. I thought about it. And then, you know, a couple of about, you know, a couple of months, a year has gone by and I'm like, oh, I kind of don't want to do that anymore. I'm not sure. <laughs> What do I want to do? Well, so I think I'm going to do. It's some... always good to have a bottom drawer project, I suppose. Kind of. Yeah, definitely. Come back to it as and when. But like the thing say, is, nobody's expecting it. It's. You can always tell if it's a good idea as well, or that you're bothered by it. If like you have this bo- bottom drawer idea, and something comes out that's similar, and you don't go, ah, I can't be asked anymore. Do you know what I mean? If you really care about it, you'll be like, No, I want to, I want to do it. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of things have come out that are similar, and I'm like. Eh. I prefer the things that came out. I don't really like this anymore. You know, so, um, yeah, I think I'm going to have a rest, I think. (laughs) Take some commission work, work on some other people's stuff for a while. And then I maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll draw some more elves. (laughs) See, I I tend to find saying I'm going to have a rest is when my brain kicks into overdrive. Yeah, and I'm like, I can't stop then. When I'm looking for that flash of genius or whatever, it just never comes. But as soon as I'm like, I'm yeah. just not going to bother. I'm going to take a month off and just be me. It's just like, month off, you say? Yeah. <laughs> Get a pen. Well, it's like today, Um, like, I say goodbye to Sean and we're like, right, okay, go, go lie down. Go do something else. Like, you know, calm down. Like, we've had, a, we've had a really long weekend. Have a day off. And I'm like, I could just draw this cute comic. I could just sketch this out, right? Right? I'll do this. <laughs> I suppose it's comic is drawing a relaxation or writing a relaxation thing for you anyway was it something you did before you started doing comics well i think writing definitely is for sure i think um i think i said i i keep repeating stuff i always say but um i always um i've always used to tell myself stories to calm myself down so especially like as a kid when I was going to when I go to sleep if I'd be frightened by something I tell myself a story and you know just really basic stuff and I noticed as I got older it'd be like so where was I last time I think I need to sort out the themes in this I don't think this character is well developed like I have this story that I'm telling myself as I'm trying to get to sleep (laughs) you know and sometimes like I still do that now and sometimes I do like wake up and go yeah that was really good I'll write that down that was a good idea most of the time I go why (laughs) terrible so I do really enjoy writing but um I do find that um I find it difficult to draw without a purpose some people are great at it at just I don't keep a sketchbook like when I'm drawing something it needs to be for an end product I find it very difficult to think hey I'm just gonna draw to relax because I'm too much of a a perfectionist yeah I'm the same yeah a perfectionist i'm just never satisfied with anything i've just mindlessly drawn unless i've mindlessly <laughs> drawn it in the corner of a scrap of paper <laughs> and, I, and you're that's like that's actually really Whoa! pretty good and i'll like, try redoing that on a proper sheet of paper and it's like no oh, that moment has just, passed yeah i was just about to say like you draw something you sketch something out and you're like oh, actually that's really good and then you like scan it in and you're like right i'm gonna make this into a print and you never it never looks the same like <laughs> great this looks terrible fine but um, it's interesting. I was talking to Nick Prolix at BAM and I was saying like, oh, I wish I could draw more. Like, 
I wish I had, I'm going to try and keep a sketchbook. I really feel like I should. It's one of those things. I feel like I'm less of an artist because I don't. I feel like I should keep a sketchbook and it's a really healthy thing to do. And people like seeing sketches and blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, why though? You're obviously not that kind of artist. If you don't enjoy it, why are you doing it? You know, because yeah. he was saying he's similar and that he likes to draw for a purpose. And he, you know, he's like, well, you don't have to force it. I was like, oh yeah, nobody's looking over my shoulder. Nobody, there, I, there isn't that big finger telling me that I can do comics. It's, it's, it's fine. I can do what I want. I can do what I want. <laughs> it's like this weird thing of being an adult and being like, whoa, 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 I can just do, like, I can just do it like that. Okay. <laughs> I think even with sketchbooks, there's a weird pressure that they've got to be to a certain standard. Definitely. I think because when you get like, you know, for example, Jim Lee's sketchbook or whatever, mm. it's all pristine pencil drawn stuff. There's none where he's kind of like got Superman with a wonky eye or something where you can be like, yeah, you're having an off day, right? <laughs> Because, you know, cleverly, he's kind of like, I've built my entire reputation on my art. I'm going to hide this shit. <laughs> you don't see you, the ones where I've rage scribbled through it. Yeah, you don't need to see this when I'm working it out. Like, all of my um, thumbnails are basically just round circles with pointy ears or horns or fangs. Yes. That's all you need. I need. I know what's going on. <laughs> but um, I really enjoy one of my friends from uni, Stephanie Seed, has a YouTube channel. And she goes through her sketchbooks on that. And I watch, and I look at them and I'm like, oh, God. Oh, my God. How do you do this? But she obviously just so... You can see that she loves doing it. Yeah. She she just lives and breathes it. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, it's really difficult to not be like, I should be like that. Why don't I do that? And, you know, and not beat yourself up for not being that kind of artist. I see but, it. it's, um, it's like when Rachel Smith puts thumbnails out. I, like, I would buy that like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? She's like, yeah, I just drew this little comic of me and my cat. I'm like, oh... So- that yeah. I did on my 10 minute train journey. Yeah, I just doodled on the way home. It's like, I slept on the way home. Oh, I, I, I watch Netflix. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But, um, yeah, for sure. It's difficult to not. It's, that's, that's imposter syndrome, though, isn't it, really? Talking. Yeah, I think Nick's right. You kind of got, you got to do what works for you and mm. not worry about what other people are doing. <laughs> Yeah, otherwise you just... It's, it's easier said than done a lot of the time, but... God, yeah, you just... You wouldn't do anything. You'd, you'd never leave the house. <laughs> it's, it's a habit I had to break just from being a con organiser, not looking at what other cons were doing. Mm, yeah. Or, you know, who they had as guests. Mm. There's certain cons that I... Tr- you know, that I'm friends with the organiser, so we try not to tread on each other's toes with our guests. Mm. It's natural we're going to have some overlap, but you don't want to steal the thunder of their big guest announcement by being like, and you can see him again two weeks later. Yeah, they're touring the country. Yeah. <laughs> so it just sort of steals the thunder, and that's why mm. the beauty of Troops being at the beginning of the year is that I can sort of lay off a little bit now until the end of the year once all the other cons are out of the way and then I can go full mm-hmm. into True Believers without treading on other people's toes. Mm. It's nice. Yeah. It's a good start to the year as well because nobody ever has anything at that time. I know. It's I'm dreading like the moment that somebody's in. like, end of January is that I can't. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think it's nice that the bigger cons are starting to call their jets because there was a time when they were properly like, right, we're going to push everybody out. You know, so it's nice that, you know. Yeah, it's... it was part of the reason we sort of picked a weekend and stuck with it. Yeah. We've never done that thing of bouncing around the year. Mm. You know, again, it's kind I... of like 
people come to expect it on that weekend if people are at the thing if they're like what when's troops this year is it in feb again or is it in you mean you still get some people who haven't cottoned on that with the same weekend every year <laughs> yeah oh just one year you're gonna be like nope that's it <laughs> different year this time just to mess with you enjoy <laughs> that'll be the year that somebody dives right in there though mm-hmm. <laughs> once, once you lose your pitch <laughs> yeah yeah oh god yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nightmare but mm. like i say you just sort of have to come what may mm. once you picked it is is it similar to doing comics then like at the end of it, it like it's such a stressful experience to do it and you love when it's actually on it's like ah oh, it's done and you kind of have this weird thing of like ah oh, now to do it all again and you forget the pain <laughs> like yeah. your body pushes the pain out and you're just like yeah i can do this again this is fine <laughs> It's like people talk about a childbirth that your body properly like makes yourself forget so that you the did trouble this. The pain is it becomes numb after a while. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that it goes away; you just oh become numb to God. it. Oh God! Oh God! Mood. So I sort of have this Mood. small con organizer support group online where we just message each other every once in a while, and like, it's kind of like I'm at okay, that stage man? now where I'm like, this is going to be the last one. Yeah. You need to hit three stages of like after mm-hmm. that one, you're straight in with. Oh, I can't wait to get started on the next one. I'm going to start shouting all this shit about. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, why did I do that? I just, right, this one's definitely the last one. And then by the time it comes around, it's like, I can't wait for next year. Yay! Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> I'm sort of at a point now with Troops where we had the five year plan, which we reached the end of this year. And now each year, is there's no there's a loose long term goal, but at the same time, I'm approaching each one as if it would be the last. Mm-hmm. And I think because it's too easy to get bogged down in a, in ten years we'll be here, because you inevitably won't mm-hmm. be. <laughs> and then you get there and you think, oh god, we didn't do everything that we wanted to, because like, and you forget everything that you did achieve. It's basically the trap of setting yourself New Year's resolutions, that you know. You think if you don't achieve exactly what you put set out to do, then you failed in some way. Like, I don't know. I, I always feel now I set myself, if I'm going to set myself any resolutions, I just set myself really vague ones. So it's not like, I want to finish this by this time. You know, that's what my business plan is for. And I tend to be quite, like, you know, generous when I do my business plans for like comics and stuff um but when it comes to resolutions or things like what where do i want to be in 10 years time in five years time um i tend to just be like this sounds terrible this sounds so cheesy and i apologize but i think i want to be a braver person by the end of this year so i set myself goals like that so like this year i've done stuff like i'm gonna learn to drive because i'm terrified of doing that (laughs) so i didn't start out like this year being like i'm gonna learn to drive this year i thought right i'm gonna be braver this year and then a couple of months in i was like okay i can learn to drive okay i'm gonna try it and just you know and then i haven't failed anything yet then because i did that one thing and i can kind of it's not a quantifiable thing that you could be like pass or fail do you know what i mean yeah i feel like i've got really cheesy and you know uh self-helpy here but that's kind of how i try and navigate life at this stage <laughs> it's baby steps at the end of the yeah mm-hmm. for, for want of you know yeah. slipping into that sort of you know keys to life mumbo jumbo kind of stuff God. Oh, God. Yeah. 
I'm your yeah. life coach. It's all about baby steps. It's like <laughs> say, it's like with approaching each troop as if it's going to be the last. Mm. And it's like this year, because it was going to be our five year blowout, we always looked at it as our last one kind of thing. And then mm. circumstances changed where we had to change venue and that. And it sort of freshened it up a little bit. Mm. But we still went into it because nobody wants to go out on a, you know, they want nobody wants to limp out. Everyone wants to go out on a high. Yeah, definitely. So, and that's the other thing of doing the event is you don't want to overstay your welcome. <laughs> so it's what? constantly keeping it fresh, kind of thing. You don't want to be that thing that people. You want to be something like oh, I used to love trues rather than yeah, it got shit at the end, didn't it? Mm. That said, though, I think like I do give, especially indie cons, like the benefit of the doubt. Like you yeah. can't slam dunk it every single time, and sometimes just the world is against you. Like you know, you have terrible weather and nobody can <laughs> get there. You have like. Um, travel is completely disrupted or, you know, things happen. I think... That's it, the snow know. this year, the Friday before True Believers when the snow <sighs> fell. And I was torn Ooh. because my kids were like, it's snowed, we can go out. And I was like, yeah, this snow could cost me like five <laughs> <laughs> Great, I love the snow. Like, have fun, kids. <laughs> <gasps> I'm just going to, like, breathe into this paper bag for the next 12 hours, okay? But fortunately, oh, Touchwood, it all worked out. Well, yeah, it was great. It was great in the end. But, um, and I think the thing is as well is just like I think if you have a good mindset and you are nice about it then I never get annoyed at a con that has the best intentions and you know by something awful happens but they're trying their best you know what yeah. I mean I get annoyed at cons that are not trying their best yeah. and are full of personalities who don't really care and they're just trying to make money from you I could always tell when there's like you know, you can see that, oh, yes, the exhibitors, the people we make our reliable buck off of. Like, I don't care if you sell things at your table. It's fine. Give me my hundred pounds. Like, you know, <laughs> you can always tell when that's the case. So, you know. That's it. They're usually the ones that are like, yeah, you're over there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. OK, here is your room. You have no air conditioning. We won't signpost you. Goodbye. And it's like, well, I'll never come back then. <laughs> so it's like the one I'm doing on Saturday. I've still not had a floor plan or anything. Oh, Wow. Wow. There's just nothing. <laughs> I'm just going to see how it goes. If it's a disaster, I sort of can learn from that well, as a con organizer kind of thing. If it... Yeah, that's difficult because you can't um, you can't advertise that to your followers then to say where no, you are. No, that's it. And it's it shoots the con in the foot as well. Yeah. It's like, there's I'll only be so here. much a con can do before you're just repetitively kind of like, buy a ticket, please buy a ticket. Have you bought a ticket yet? Do you want to buy a ticket? Buy a ticket. Yeah. Kev from I... the Butchers has bought a ticket. Are you going to buy a ticket? Ooh, yeah, and you get like one person posting about it and they're like, thank you so much! Yeah. Tell your friends! <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think um, I completely lost my train of thought. I was going to say something then. <laughs> Just, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone out, out of my brain. But, um, uh, yeah, think... like, Sorry, what are you going to say? Sorry, I was just going to say. Save me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think as an organiser, you know, you can't moan that nobody promoted your event if you've not given them the tools to do it. Mm, yeah, and I think you... And it's, it's free marketing. <laughs> I think that's two things that... Uh, that's one thing that you and True Believers do really well is get your exhibitors excited about going. And I think that's a really big thing because, you know, 
some conventions I say, hey, I'm going to be here. And it's just the duty of like, hey, I will be here. You know, and I, I'm going to look, I look forward to it. And I'm happy to see people who've come to the con. I'm happy to see other exhibitors. But at the same time, it's like, it's a show. It's work. Like, it's going to be shattering. But there are some that I'm like, yes, it's this weekend. I'm really excited. Where are you going to be? What are you going to do? <laughs> you know, and if you can get that kind of buzz, that's really good. And I think that passes on to visitors then. Yeah. Which, so know. did you do cons before you became a freelancer slash, you know, doing your own comics kind of thing? Were you, did you do cons that much? when you, And did you approach them differently as a I've always got work on Monday kind of thing? Mm. To... Um, I'm going to sound really jammy in that I've only, because I started doing cons, I think I'm still in on my master's. Um, and I was working, I think I was working part time at a games company and then I was freelance then at this company. Um, so I think the majority of the time I've been working either part time or freelancing somewhere. So I've had a contract with somebody. Right. So I think I've mostly just worked um, doing this on and off um, part time with this as my sideline. Yeah. So I've never, I haven't really had that thing of, oh, I've got to go into the office on Monday. I've so I sound like absolutely spoiled when I say that um saying that though the majority of the time I've been working in retail <laughs> when I've been uh when I've been working like um part-time and a lot of the time it's like zero hours so it's like it's not actually part-time you're actually working closer to full-time but they can just rope you in more uh, for more hours and then drop you like a stone when they don't need you um yeah which is conveniently when the cons aren't so um <laughs> you know it's always at the low season it's always at the con high season when they need you like, great yeah. thanks i love it i love it it's, it's brilliant so um yeah i i didn't really go to conventions before i started exhibiting though i think i went to size once because i always had this impression that it wasn't really for me right um and not in the sense of they're not selling things it's not the right content I always just felt a bit intimidated by them. Um, it was, it never really felt that inclusive. Um, there weren't any really nearby that felt inclusive. Um, and this was about like 10, 12 years ago that I kind of, that I felt like this. And I just yeah. never really considered it. But um, yeah, so I did, um, I, I think my first one was SICE. I went once when I was in uni. And then, uh, and then I exhibited the next year, and that was my first con, and that was it. So that's um, that was Cardiff um, Independent Comic Expo, not related to the ice cons, no. but um, yeah, it's really difficult because there's nice as well, and that's not related either. So no. <laughs> um, it's why why are you doing this? But um, yeah, so I feel really jammy in saying that, and I don't know how people who do work nine to fives manage it. But yeah, I mean, I suppose because it's like true believers isn't my income i have a full-time job and then i mm. you know i do true believers as a hobby slash passion project kind of thing so i've got the safety of if true believers doesn't make any money at least i enjoyed it kind of thing mm. i suppose if your money comes from doing cons mm. or you know it's a big part of doing cons does that affect the way you sort of look at them when you haven't got the thing of well at least i get paid on friday so if i didn't make any money here yeah I, I i think it does um but in the sense of i'm quicker to cut cons out like yeah. 
definitely because i know there are some exhibitors i speak to who are just you were like oh well i didn't make that much money and sometimes cause you don't want to talk numbers with everybody no but for me it is definitely like a numbers game it's if i can't you have you have to reach a point where it justifies itself um you know if it's not because it's not just like am i paying for the table am i paying for my hotel and my travel it's like i'm taking four days out of work to be here like if i could make more money at home drawing why am i here yeah so which is a bit sad in a way but in you know if it's good if it's an enjoyable enough con i do kind of go okay it's kind of my day off it's fine i'll go you know as long as it pays for itself it's fine but if it's not an enjoyable con it's not you know doing anything for me i cut things i cut it out you know that's That's it and it's not necessarily a reflection on the con is it because what works for one person at one con isn't going to work for somebody else at that same con kind of thing it's quite sad as well because there are some cons that i think are lovely and i really like i just can't justify the expense yeah so um like i really really love nottingham but it's just it takes so it's too far to go to it's too far for me like i can't i have to get a hotel um once if it's any event that i have to get a hotel at it immediately like my costs skyrocket and i can't afford it 90 pound depending on what yeah (laughs) yeah if you're lucky you know if you're lucky yeah um if it's something like um a london con (sighs) jesus like it's ridiculous but um yeah yeah it's because I mean, I get it sometimes as well through just visiting other cons. As you're talking to people, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, I haven't been at Troops for a few years." It's like it's fine. Mm-hmm. I fully, completely understand it. Mm. Yeah. Like, I don't know. They're like, "Shit, it's the guy from True Believers." Um... Uh, oh no! Oh god! <laughs> when when yeah. were we last there? When were we last there? Fuck! <laughs> He's gonna call us on it. I'll get in yeah, there first. Where were you? Where were you last time? You're like, oh, because I think people have that when going back to people approaching you at tables. Um, I do think people feel like they have to make an excuse when they don't want to buy your comic or they can't afford it, yeah. and they're just like, oh, um, I'm sorry, I spent all my money, and it's just like, it's fine, you don't have to. Ooh. Sorry, <laughs> what is that? Can you hear that? Uh, yeah. What the fuck is that? <laughs> um, sorry, you probably will have to edit that. <laughs> what was that? I had to lock my cat out of my room, so I'm, wearing, I'm hoping it's not them doing anything ridiculous. I don't think so. Anyway, <laughs> what was I saying? Yeah, I just find a massacre of pigeons. Yeah, oh God. They're yeah, arrogant she's... birds anyway, it's fine. It's fine, it's fine. You can get it. It's fine, Mabel, you shit. Um... Yeah, people yeah. sort of feeling the need so, to make an excuse not to buy. People, yeah, people have to feel that they have to make an excuse. And, you know, and sometimes it's the first thing they say to you and it's like, I'm just browsing. You're like, oh, it's okay, it's fine. You know, I think most exhibitors I speak to when they're like, you know, they're, they honestly don't mind. As long as you're not a dick, it's fine. You don't have to, nobody has enough money to go around and buy everything from a con. There's maybe like, two people i've ever met that have been like yeah i'm buying everything and you're like okay most people you know have a set budget and they can't afford everything you know it's yeah. the fact of life like as long as you're just nice about it 
I don't really don't care. Like in some ways, that's what it's worse. Now everybody's got a card reader. Like, I haven't got any cash deaths. Like, I can take card. It's like fuck. Yeah, I'm always really careful about that because I don't want to sound like I'm bullying people. Yeah, no, I know. It's like you know, I'm always like, oh, just so you know, I do have a card reader, but don't worry, like no pressure. <laughs> and then they're like, oh god, pressure. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think it is difficult to not to not pressurize people into buying when it's like, yes, I have a card reader. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, I think having a little sign that's like, we take card is helpful. So they know. They know. But, um, yeah. Do you find sort of post-cons you get an uplift on online sales or visits mm-hmm. to website, the website or that sort of thing? Or do you not really? Sometimes. Um, you know, yeah, I think I definitely get people on Twitter because um, that's my main source of um, social media. Um, and I do get a couple of online sales, not loads. Um, yeah, and then online sales kind of chug along, really. I think a lot of people, they think about it for ages. Yeah. They, like, you know, wait for payday, bookmark it and come back, I think is the big thing. Um, and it just chugs along, really. Um, yeah, and I think sometimes people go to the table and they add you while they're at the table. So they'll add you on Twitter. Yeah. That's always quite, that's quite fun. So, yeah, no, you definitely do. Um, you know, that's to alleviate the guilt of not buying anything. So I follow you now, though. Oh, <laughs> you don't have to. I post lots of pictures of my cats. I'm sorry, <laughs> you know. So just in like since I've been to MCM, I think I've picked up about twenty people. So it's cool. not like, yeah, it's not. Oh, I wish I could be like I picked up hundreds, you know. But um, you know, quality. But then it, it's quality, better to pick sure. up twenty focus people than a hundred yes. kind of like. Oh yeah. Definitely. Definitely, and I think I talked when um, I talked to a lot of unis about um, Kickstarter because it's a big thing. Like we want yeah. our students to learn about crowds crowdfunding, and I always say like you don't. People look at crowdfunding and they think, oh, I have to have ten thousand followers, otherwise it's not going to work. It's like nope, you just need. I think it's like what do they call it? They have you have your core audience of about. Yeah. It can be just like twenty people who tweet about you all the time and talk about it. Then that's all you need. You just have your dedicated following. And that's all you need, really. So, yeah, it's definitely quality, not quantity, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I um, followed a very painful conversation on one of those Kickstarter advice groups on Facebook. I can't remember what it was called. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it was just somebody being like, I'm going to launch my thing. How do you build an audience? (gasps) And it's it's like, well, you sort of... And then people just trying to explain that, you know, you before you can launch a Kickstarter, you need to sort of put the work in of building the audience to a certain degree, yeah. you know, and they're like, well, how do I do that? It's like, well, you know, you can create a mailing list or you can set up a page and start. Yeah. And it's just, they weren't grasping it. I think they were very much kind of like, I've got a Kickstarter. I've kicked it out there. When do the people come? Yeah. It's the Wayne's world thing of build it and they'll come and you're like, and usually the same people have like a teaser trailer and they expect people to care enough to work out what this thing is and you're just like you know it's this idea that you know I, I always when I'm when I lecture and do things like that I always say that like you're buying people's time with whatever you're doing you're buying time and so you have to make sure that what you're giving them is concise because you know you, you nobody is going to give you extra time if they don't think what they're looking at is going to interest them yeah you know you have to be like it's all about editing and being focused and being being aware that it's like their life doesn't focus around you 
basically. <laughs> well, I suppose different people look at Kickstarters for different things as well. I mean, I don't watch the videos anymore. Yeah. I That's read weird, the brief blurb and then I look at the rewards. But I've got no... Because it's kind of like, what's that, a five-minute video? Yeah. Oh. I, I can't be bothered. <laughs> I found that as well. It used to be when Kickstarter first started out, they were like, if you don't have a video, you will fail. And I yeah. think most people have a video. And unless it's like really funny, like some people do great videos, like John Tucker, John Tucker's yeah. videos, advertising his stuff are hilarious. He's great. Um, you know. Well, that's because uh, you can watch his videos without seeing them as an advert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he's, he's making you laugh. Like it's part of his entire thing that, even the way he advertises stuff is really funny. Um, and I like, um, I follow on YouTube, um, internet comment etiquette. Um, it's ridiculous. You know, it's a very particular type of humor. So I apologize in advance <laughs> if you find it offensive, but it is, it is, it is great. And um, he does this thing that when you like, if you try and buy something on your, on his store, but you don't follow through with it, you know, you get those emails and they're like, you know, Oh, you left something in your basket. And it's like, fuck off. This one is like he emails his thing emails you and goes the sky the cloud people know what you did. (laughs) What What is this? (laughs) So it's really like these little things that really just make it. So I find like yeah when when I first started doing Kickstarter they were like your video has to be so finely crafted and now I find the majority of people don't even watch it and you can see on your stats like who watches it through to the end how many views you get i think last time i had something stupid like 100 views but you know three 300 and something backers so you know it's, it's weird it's really strange yeah like, i suppose you built an audience because a lot of the ones i back are either people that i've met through doing it or it's buying the next mm-hmm. issue of something i've already got or it's a recommendation from somebody else that i've gone and checked out yeah and that's usually enough for me i don't sometimes i find if i watch the video it might put me off yeah. Like, oh, you're that kind of person. Uh, I remember watching one ages ago that was a guy and his dog. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, hey, hey guys, so I'm t- here today to talk to you about this comic. And oh, I came up with the idea two years ago. Oh, Bruley, Bruley, come sit on my lap. Come sit on my lap. And it's just like, why? You're obviously going for this candid thing, but I instantly, I can't, I can't watch this. I can't watch this. No, it's, it's those and the guys who think they're Stanley. Uh, oh, really? I haven't it, seen any like that. I can't remember what it was now. It was, I think it might have been the American one, but they were very much mm. going for that Stanley sales patter. Oh, right. Oh, dear. Of, you know, not using his phrases, but using his inclinations. It very <laughs> much came across the, hey, comic readers. It's like, Ugh. Uh, <laughs> like was, dial, it it down, dial it down. <laughs> it wasn't Indiegogo, was it? It might have been. Like, I, I don't really use Indiegogo anymore. <laughs> the thing is, I was. They do this thing on Indiegogo where you can. Um, basically, what you do is you once you finish your um, your campaign, if it's on Kickstarter or Indiegogo or whatever, you can do this follow up thing where you can carry on taking um, pre orders even though the campaign is finished. I didn't really one hundred percent understand it, but I got an invite to it, and apparently it's this automatic email that they send out. Um, but I didn't know it at the time. I was like, oh, I've been invited. Oh, what is this? Hello, Indiegogo. Let me see. And I checked it out. And I just basically, I went on the main page for comics. And it was just so, I don't know how to put this delicately, um, non-inclusive. It was very much a particular audience. And I was just like, listen, 
my com- have you even seen what my comics are maybe this is why maybe you want to make it less like this because my comics are pastel like about emotions there are gay people in it it is you know it's kind of got a manga bent to it to the artwork what why did you look at this and think that i could survive on indiegogo like <laughs> i don't what it's i mm, i have feelings about indiegogo <laughs> as you can probably tell yeah it was it was a very quick decision to not do that <laughs> yeah i've never the thing i've never liked about indiegogo is that they mm-hmm. take you can set it so you can take the money whether you hit your goal or not because yeah, there was quite a few artists who haven't actually done it and then started another indiegogo like straight after right there was yeah. yeah somebody tried to set up a comic shop in gloucester by doing an indiegogo mm. and they kept whatever money they got so i think on one they only walked away with a tenner it's kind of i'd like to think at that point they just gave that tenner back but i know in the back of my mind they took it yeah yeah i think um you know you can on indiegogo do um all or nothing yeah which, but most people don't do that and it just yeah, seems they, to have they been whatever they can get <laughs> yeah and it's it's just a dangerous thing to say i need x amount to do it yeah even if i just get one eighth of that i'll take that money anyway Mm. Mm -hmm. and i'll just tell you i'm putting it towards it it'll just take longer kind of thing yeah it's Mm. just yeah it feels more scammy on indigo (laughs) (laughs) scammy is the word (laughs) yeah i think you know i'm very i think I'm very careful with events as well. And this sounds really like, I don't know, maybe people will judge me for this, but I do think I do look at guest lists and I do look at who else has said they're going because I have had experiences in the past where it has been quite, um, where I haven't made sales at a particular, I won't name the con in particular, I'll maybe tell you later. (laughs) But um, I remember going to this particular con and there was just men walking past my table seeing, I think I was next to Sean at the time or I was next to another female creator and they just saw that my stuff was all pastel and that I was a woman and just kind of went, "Mm," and then carried on walking. And you're just a bit like, it's not just that I feel that I need to be represented. Like it's not even that now. I just think, oh, okay. So these are the guests you have. This is the audience you're courting. I'm not going to make money here. I'm not going to go. Like, do you know what I mean? It's even yeah. just on a mercenary level. It's not like, I'm not, I feel offended. It's just, no, I don't want to have that experience again. So I'm just not going to go. And, you know, it tends to be those cons as well where people approach me and they're like, so did you draw this? And it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, thanks. <laughs> I want to crawl under a bus. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never witnessed it, but I heard after the fact somebody posted on facebook about like a horrible experience they'd had with somebody talking to them about their art at a table i was like i really hope that wasn't our event and they're like it was i'm afraid i was like i feel so fucking horrible about that and they're like no no it wasn't you you know yeah you can't <laughs> there's, there's nothing it. you could have done about it but just honestly, knowing it happened at your event i'm sure the people listening to this don't do it either these people come out of nowhere i had a spate of them like I, I other creators are like how do these people find you for about for a couple of years i was a magnet for these dicks how they did they find female me? creators and it doesn't matter what event it was at i was just having just you know and it wasn't just men either like just people being horrible to me yeah. <laughs> just like, 
Like, I think, you know, it's one of those things that if you're, like, polite and smiley, people think you're going to be polite and smiley all the time. So they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, cool. I can just walk all over you. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to get so dark. But, no, um, no, no. It's, I, I saw when that you know. <laughs> Yeah, but. like, yeah. So it is kind of a, um, definitely a, um, a factor for sure when I look at events, you know. Yeah one of those things where you think about what whether you can sell or not is trying to see what you think the the audience is going to be and sometimes the audience does surprise you like I do have like when people say what is the target audience for your comic I find it really difficult to narrow it down like it's really hard because it's just so wide yeah and I like I like that I really like that I've got some like I've got loads I've got middle-aged men who read it I've got like teenagers who read it it's I really appreciate having a wide audience because it's just it's nice it's really nice you know. i always find that a weird question anyway what is your target audience uh, it's it's usually you know people with an industry mind who, mm-hmm. or a market in mind ask you that question but it's yeah it's like when you set up your facebook ads and they're like who do you want this to go to and it's like i don't know and if you <laughs> don't target it yeah if you just go people that's like okay no one will see this goodbye yeah <laughs> You're like, oh. Yeah, you need a really specific niche thing, and then it's not quite niche enough, so you have to broaden yeah. it slightly. It's like, I don't want to say that my comic is only for girls, but now I have to say that I'm targeting it at girls. It's like, no, like, I want everyone to read it. It's fine. Like, you know, I think my only criteria is don't be a dick. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, that's it. I don't, I don't care. I want, yeah. I uh, that's that's that my main criteria true believers as well (laughs) we are welcoming to everybody except dicks (laughs) i wish i could put it on a poster to be honest yeah oh god it's like for life as well isn't it i just don't want to yeah i don't want to no dick yeah it's like you can read it you can anyone can buy my stuff but if you're a dick to people who come if you're a dick to other readers if you're a dick to other people at the table if you're a dick to other creators then i'm not going to be nice <laughs> yeah i mean like you say fortunately within the small press uk con community it's a, a smaller element than a larger one but mm, yeah <laughs> which makes it sound like i'm trying to recover yeah for sure. <laughs> No, dial it back, dial it back. <laughs> Everybody just went, I'm never going into Comic-Con or creating a comic again. Oh, I know. It's like one of those things. It's like if you're asking and listening and talking to people, you are not one of these people for sure. Yeah. Like it's a tiny percentage of people. Um, but um, That's it. And it's no different to what you get in any walk of life, whether it's mm-hmm. just going for a drink in the pub or whatever. At some point you will meet okay. a dick. But it's, you know, you get that thing where um, people are like, oh, you judge other people by how they judge, by, by how they talk yeah. to um, to uh, waitresses, to like the service industry, to people in behind tills and stuff. Like, you can tell they're an asshole if they're horrible to those people for no reason. Like, you know that? Yeah, I always, I... my thing for that, I, I believe in that 100%. And I also believe in people who, when they find out the person they're talking to is not the creator, addicts to them or blank them. So if they're like talking to somebody really nicely and they're like, oh yeah, so did you make this? Especially if they're like another creator. If they're like, oh no, 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 I'm just here with my partner. And they're like, oh, okay, so anyway. And they talk to the other creator and they blank the partner out. Because I, I instantly think you're just here to make money. Like yeah. you're not here. You were only talking to them because you thought you were going to get some kind of something out of it. 
and I'm instantly like, hmm, and I do kind of, I do kind of judge them a bit. Because <laughs> it has happened, like, my sister has helped me out at a table before, and I've had some people be like, hmm, and just not talk to her. <laughs> as soon as they find out they don't make, she didn't make anything. And I was like, ooh, you know, it is, it is kind of, it is rude, for sure. See, whereas whenever I cover Andy's table, I always claim and shit. I've signed him up for so many jobs he doesn't know about. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, so sort of on a happier note then, mm. sort of what, with doing the workshops and the talks mm. and that, what sort of, as a freelance comic creator what sort of advice would you give to people? What would you recommend people do or read to sort of start making those first steps into creating a comic? Mm-hmm. Um, number one, and I think you can probably gather it from the rest of this, be nice. Be nice <laughs> to people. Like, be genuine. Um, don't, if you have an agenda, be forward with it. Like, if you're like, I'm looking to get into the comics industry, like, be open with it. Um, and just be genuine and be nice to people. Try and, you know talk to as many people as possible and be genuinely interested in who they are and what they've got to say and I think that's a good tip for anything really it's you know it's it's great advice if you want to flirt with somebody be interested in what other people say you'll be amazed (laughs) people will like you (laughs) (laughs) but um also um I think if you want to get into comics I wouldn't get too bogged down with if you want to get a degree if you need to do specific things I think the main thing is to just start making comics and learn by doing I would advise because you know if you want to do a degree in illustration or animation or in comics creation that's great do it but at the same time just keep drawing comics and keep making comics just start doing them um also like you can there are lots of if you're there are lots of like groups online as well you can join and just try and gather as much information as you can you know ask other creators who they print with ask them you know ways to get started you know because most people in my experience will as long as you're polite about it and if they say no you know they don't have time you're nice about that too you know they'll be fine with it you know I think yeah those, those are my main tips I think is to just you know just start making comics and don't get too bogged down with can I do this because you you can you can you know you might make a few rubbish comics to start off with but you learn from them because you learn from every comic that you make for sure um one thing I will say as well is that when every comic that I make I try and learn something new from every single one so like when I start out making a new issue I think this is the issue where I get better at x and I think that's really helpful. But, yeah, for me personally. But Does that answer your question? Yes. Yeah, pretty much so. <laughs> so. Mm. And then just if you've got any sort of all-time favourite comics or mangas or anything that you'd recommend people check out. Sure. So I mentioned um, Jen Wang's stuff. I love her stuff. Really, really good, like, accessible comics. Um, really great concise storytelling so I recommend her I really like Sean Tan as well who did The Arrival um and um just a couple of things I picked up over the weekend so I picked up this comic called um Nian Keys <laughs> so um yeah I, I that was quite funny so it's basically um it's about street cats but um half of the comic shows them as cats and the other comic half of it shows them as Japanese like gangsters so yeah, that's quite strange. I'll enjoy that. 
Yotsuba is really good too if you want to chill out and just you know yeah just just read about it's basically just about a, a guy and his adopted daughter and that's it it's really pure like you know they just kind of hang out and one one whole um chapter is just about her discovering a camera and taking fo- photos of just stuff around the house and stuff people that she meets and they're all terrible and like close-ups on on uh bike wheels and stuff and it's just it's really <laughs> nice it's like if you just want to chill out and yeah i, I recommend that and uh, just checking my shelf if there's anything else but i'm sure i'll think of more things and i'll just mess message i'll, I'll tweet about it and be like oh shit i forgot this this is really good too but um, yeah, I definitely recommend those for sure. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing that. Ah, oh, thanks for having me. I'm sorry that I ranted for so long. No, that's <laughs> that's what I love about this free format of doing it this way of just asking the one question, and then we can go off on tangents and yeah, talk but about dicks. And... <laughs> <laughs> yes for sure um, yeah yes i better not put that in the subject thing well and this is when we talk <laughs> about and dicks. sarah talk about dicks uh... <laughs> get completely the wrong crowd uh, well you know i do listen to um my dad wrote a porno so you know that's... i'm not familiar with that I oh my it's out. exactly what it says on the tin it's hilarious but don't always listen with headphones <laughs> it's a comedian and his mates finding out that his dad writes porno and then them reading it together and being like, oh my God, it's really funny. I pitched a porno once, so that's a story for a different time. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, wow. I, I need to hear that story, story at, some page, at some stage. <laughs> it's not as exciting as it sounds. It's, it's I used great... to be on a writer's group online. <laughs> to be a member of it. And it was all different kinds of films. And one of them was somebody wanting, you know, stories for porno. Wow. Like... I was just pitching to write anything at the time <laughs> my idea was not taken what? What? i assume i was either too boring or too freaky i'm not sure where i fell no i think i think it was, pro- it was probably you had too much of a good story because surely they have to be rubbish right isn't that the thing aren't they rubbish i, I assume so i can't yeah. imagine anybody's watching it for the you know once once you've done what you came to do i can't imagine you're going to stick around to find out whether they stay together as a couple and dad next week whether he gets this job. <laughs> I'm invested. Will they land the plane? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, on that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on that weird note. <laughs> Next week for Why Porno. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. What, what have I done? <laughs> I, broke the, I broke the podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's right we made it to four episodes (laughs) it's a good run it's a good run it's fine it's enough that's what I do (laughs) thanks for having me thanks for being on cheers And that was episode four of Why Comics. Uh, I'd like to thank Sarah again for being on the episode. I really enjoyed talking to her, um, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Um, The titles and people she recommended, you can find all of those in the links in the show notes. Um, And you can also see Sarah at upcoming cons, Thought Bubble, MCM London, and then True Believers in February next year, obviously. Um, If you want to see her at True Believers this year, 
you're going to need a time machine. If you find that, let me know about it. Um, you can follow Sarah online. Her Twitter handle is at heart underscore of underscore time. Or if you search Milmo, she should come up. Um, the Kickstarter is live on Kickstarter. <laughs> Duh. Obviously. Um, yeah, if you search NPCT, as in NPC, T as in T-E-A, issue 7, it should come up in the search. Or if you search Sarah Millman, or Milmo, whichever one she is on there, uh, it should also come up in that, the one she's created. Um, I believe it's already passed its goal already, so it's a great chance to pre-order it. Um, yep, yeah, so go on there again. The link will be in the show notes. And you can also follow and support Sarah on Patreon by going to www.patreon.com forward slash Milmo. Um, you can find the Nerds Who Haunted Themselves and whatnot in the following places on facebook.com forward slash haunted nerds. I've still not decided whether or not to set up individual groups for the individual shows. I'll just surprise you one day with that, I guess. Um, you can find us on Podbean at hauntednerds.podbean.com and you can find all our previous episodes, including the ones that aren't available online in, on Podbean or anything anymore, at oktruebelievers.com and just click podcasts in the menu. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as at tokennerd if you feel inclined to do so. Um, it's not that exciting, though, to be honest. Um, and yeah... That's it for this episode. Again, huge thank you to Sarah Millman. Really enjoyed it. Um, again, another different take on the question of why comics. And yeah, hopefully a different conversation for you guys to listen to as well. Uh, next week we are back with And Why Not, where I talk to uh, Rachel Lee Carter about a film that I love and she definitely loves, uh, Gregor is Girl, the Bill Forsyth classic. Um so yeah, join us back here next week for that. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Cheers, bye.